Hello, I'm Rebecca. And I'm Elena. And we are two therapists with a lot of opinions. Welcome to Just Another Therapy Podcast, where we'll be discussing various topics through the lens of mental health and therapy, just like every other therapist on social media right now. No, but we're different. (laughs) Join us this season as we talk all about social media, the good, the bad, and the absolutely ridiculous. This podcast was created for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not a replacement for mental health treatment. If you are in need of support, check out our show notes for links to resources. The culture around mental health and therapy is constantly evolving. And the rapid technological growth of the last 10 years has certainly had an impact on mental health care in America. Online therapy services like Talkspace and BetterHelp at first appeared to be revolutionary platforms for accessible and affordable mental health care. But by digging deeper and thinking critically, we find these tech startups aren't actually dream solutions to the mental health crisis. Today, we're going to discuss the problem with online therapy platforms and the risks that therapists and consumers face by engaging with these companies. Let's do it. Yes, let's. (laughs) So step number one is we're going to talk about both of these platforms and explain how they function, how they're Mm -hmm. structured, and then we're going to get into some uh, critical discussion about them. So Rebecca's going to start us off, and you're going to be talking about... Which company? I'm going to dive into BetterHelp. All right, let's do it. Yeah, so I am on their website, betterhelp.com, and I am reading basically their language word for word. So they describe themselves, BetterHelp is the largest therapy platform worldwide. We change the way people get help with facing life challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to a licensed therapist. Uh, BetterHelp makes professional therapy available anytime, anywhere through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. And so they cost to a, pers- a subscription to BetterHelp costs around sixty to ninety dollars per week, and is billed once a month, and is also based on where you live, your preferences, and the availability of therapists. Um. And there are three different ways that you can connect with therapists through live chat, which is a text conversation with your therapist in real time. Also a live phone session where you can schedule a call with your therapist over the phone and a live video session. Similar, what they say is similar to Skype. It is a video appointment. Um, And so you can use BetterHelp for as long as you need and they charge your credit card monthly reoccurring to provide these services. So that's a little bit about BetterHelp. Do you want to kind of go over the difference between that and Talkspace? Yeah, so Talkspace has like a pretty similar structure. Um, So I'm on the Talkspace website, and they say we offer comprehensive online mental health treatment options to meet all of your needs. And literally, as I'm on the website, (laughs) there's a box that just popped up that said, we know taking the first step can be overwhelming. Get $100 off with code SPACE. Mm. So as of May, what, 27th, Mm -hmm. 2022, this is a pop-up that comes up if you're on their website long enough. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, very similar to BetterHelp, Talkspace offers a 24-7 online chat room um, that your therapist sees and obviously you have access to Mm -hmm. and you can send messages at any time. And it's interesting. I'm going to uh, directly read what they say about that. So according to Talkspace website, they say, this is a direct quote, send your therapist text, audio, picture, and video messages at any time, and they will respond daily five times a week. If you're looking for the face-to-face therapy experience, we also offer live sessions so you and your therapist can plan to connect in real time. So essentially, that chat room is always there, and if you want like a video audio session, you have to schedule that 
directly with a therapist. So the price is fairly similar. Uh, Talkspace is about $65 to $95 a week. Um, and there are different plans that you can sign up for. So, yeah, I mean, not too much is different mm-hmm. uh, between just that structure and that setup. I think the prices are pretty comparable. Yeah. Um, so we also want to talk about, though, uh, what they pay therapists, mm-hmm. because those are the people on the other end of this. Right. Like that's about what it costs consumers. But uh, tell me what kind of the average pay is for therapists who contract with BetterHelp. So I, it's hard to find an actual price or yeah, it is <laughs> like fee for hour or something like that for a better help therapist. However, there is some information about how therapists are paid. And so they're paid based on this uh, concept called an engagement based model from what I can understand um, and the resources that I have. I'm reading an article from mytherapist.com. We will link it in the show notes. But a direct quote from that article talks about this engagement-based pay model helps counselors dictate the depth of their pay based on the quality and quantity of meaningful engagement with new and existing clients. Counselors, and this is, this is kind of poignant for me, counselors who are proactive about connecting with and consistently communicating with clients are highly successful in BetterHelp's engagement-based model which I think we can dive into a little bit, but um, very ambiguous, very much like yeah. we kind of, we pay you based on how much you're worth. And it's like, who gets to decide that? I don't know. Um, but when I looked at hard numbers, we're seeing anything from the $29 to $32 range per hour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for Talkspace, I didn't find uh, that same um information about that kind of engagement being paid based on that um however the concrete pay is fairly similar um and just anecdotally anecdotally (laughs) i have read comments in various therapist groups and threads online where people say like if you work more you can get various like pay raises or kind of there's incentive pay so um but it is hard to find the concrete information because unless you're a therapist that starts really signing up and getting started with one of these companies, like you're not really going to get, they're not advertising a lot of this information. Um, So, but again, you know, kind of the most concrete uh, number we can give you for what therapists are paid by Talkspace Mm -hmm. is around $20 an hour. Um, And again, yeah, it's, it's a little bit less. So um, 20, but I think it can be a little bit higher again, depending on, obviously you know the uh the structure but we don't have a ton of insight into no how that actually works and you know how uh, much people can kind of like uh earn yes ultimately and over time that's interesting too that you say like so the range is you know for both sites around 20 to 30 dollars per hour um and i think it's really important uh, on better house website they also talk about can uh, in their frequently asked questions they say can better help substitute for traditional face-to-face therapy and in that answer they say please note that your provider won't be able to make any official diagnosis to fulfill any court order or to prescribe medication and the prescribed medication one's pretty standard um the only people who are really able to are medical doctors or psychiatrists that are able to prescribe medication but the piece about not being able to have a diagnosis, not being able to offer a diagnosis or to be able to fulfill any court order um, is interesting to me and I think should be noted in in all of this. It's just helpful information as we dive in um, about the validity of it. Is this actually therapy? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So we also want to talk a little bit about the privacy policies and we're going to link these in the show notes Mm -hmm. because they are extensive and we're not going to be able to read, you know, every bit of them. But that's another aspect of this conversation we definitely want to explore is what's going on with privacy and confidentiality um, for these online platforms. So tell us a little bit about BetterHelp and some of the things that stick out to you in their privacy policy. Yes. So... BetterHelp has their privacy policy listed on their website. 
and they talk about the purposes for which their information is disclosed to third parties. And there's a lot of different reasons why they disclose information. The one of the things that sticks out to me is they talk about for business purposes. And so they say only as necessary for facilitating counselor services, we may share our user's information with a counselor and a counselor's information with a user. It makes sense. We may also share your information with vendors and service providers, including our data hosting and data storage partners, analytics and vendors providing technology services and support, payment processing and data security. We may also share your information with personal advice or professional rather advisors such as auditors, law firms and accounting firms. And so they provide examples, but they also leave it ambiguous. Like we may also share information with professional advisors. So you can kind of leave it up to yourself to decide who a professional advisor for a large tech company would be. They also talk about on the directly on the website um, service providers. And this part stands out to me as well. We may employ third-party companies and individuals to facilitate our platform to perform certain tasks or which are related to the platform, auditing, legal, or other services for us, including but not limited to customer service, technical maintenance, monitoring, that, that one's just on its own, monitoring what, I don't know, email management, communication, database management, billing, email processing, payment processing, reporting, and analytics. And then it states, we will share with them only the minimum necessary information to perform their task for us and only after entering into appropriate confidentiality agreements. But they don't really elaborate on to what the limits of those agreements are, as well as what they deem to be minimal necessary information. So I think that's important to point out. Yeah, absolutely. And going over to Talkspace, it's, I mean, pretty similar. Um at the beginning of their privacy policy, they say our propri- proprietary technology platform uses advanced data-driven tools to personalize your care and to enhance evidence of care, care continu- continuity, outcomes, metrics, and data-based learnings. We provide mental health professionals with insights and capabilities to drive improved and measurable clinical outcomes for patients receiving virtual therapeutic services on our platform. So from there, it, you know, defines um, all the terms of, you know, what is medical information? You know, what do they do with your data? And they actually have a chart in their privacy policy that Mm -hmm. kind of outlines, you know, what they do with that information. And so similarly, you know, they share that information with the therapist and, They also include, you know, sometimes they use information to process claims for insurance, um, conduct therapist oversight to generally provide you with services. They also say to build, modify, and develop new products, features, and services. Mm -hmm. So there, again, there's a ton of information listed. And like I said, there'll be a link. You can go look at it yourself and see, you know, how comprehensive it is. And they also make mention of, third party mm-hmm. involvement. So under the section about using the Talkspace app, they talk about third party software development kits um, from a number of other companies. And they use those kits to engage as service providers, identifying and logging code issues, errors and events. Um, so these third parties process data as a service to talk space only. So, you know, the idea is that like, okay, well they, you know, only do this for talk space and kind of only um, process this data for talk space. But, you know, there's a lot of other involvement ultimately, mm-hmm. right? Like these are companies like BetterHelp and Talkspace have legal teams. They have mm-hmm. third party involvement. You know, they have the people who are, you know, running the technological side of these uh, apps and these websites. And so there is a lot more than just you and the therapist. There's Mm -hmm. all this back end stuff. And people may not initially really consider that when signing up for these services. And actually, I really, really want to quote an article as the last point about 
uh, privacy as it specifically relates to talk space. So there was a New York Times article written Mm -hmm. in 2020, and it's called At Talkspace, Startup Culture Collides with Mental Health Concerns. Again, we will link this too so you can read it yourself. But the article talks about how Talkspace has been analyzing transcripts in order to develop bots Mm -hmm. that monitor the therapist's work. Um, And so in 2019, a Talkspace engineer specializing in machine learning said that this research is important because, and I quote, cues that a client is in distress that could be caught during in-person sessions might be missed when a therapist is only communicating by text. Mm -hmm. Software might better catch those cues. And I know in this portion of the episode, we're just giving a lot of factual information about, you know, these companies. But I want to take a second to say what that means. You know, this (laughs) Talkspace engineer said we need to develop a, a bot, a, a computer system, algorithm, whatever. I'm not techie, so, you know. But basically, <laughs> we need to develop software that can pick up on co- client cues that the therapist might miss because this is not an in-person interaction. Mm-hmm. And I just think that sounds ludicrous. Mm. What is the need for that? The need is there because you are putting therapy into this platform. Mm -hmm. And I will say very clearly that texting is not therapy. (laughs) It's not, it isn't. And like, you can, you can disagree with me and that's fine, but we should not be saying that this is therapy so that then we have to produce software that picks up on client distress like that shouldn't even be a factor because if I'm working with somebody if I'm doing a telehealth video where I can see them or this person is in my office Mm -hmm. I'm getting all the information I'm hearing their voice I'm seeing their face you know even if they're in front of me virtually it's not just text Mm -hmm. I'm able to take all of that information in and so I think this does a real disservice to clients and therapists to say like well that's fine we just need to develop software to take care of that Mm -hmm. so the very last thing I want to mention is from that same New York Times article Um, so Mr. and Mrs. Frank are the founders of Talkspace and Mr. Frank wrote an opinion article for the Times in uh 2019 in which he said and I quote we need data all of our data mine and yours and the New York Times article says he argued that the analysis of anonymous data sets could improve treatment and so you know even if there is this data and your name isn't technically attached to it I mean how private is it Mm -hmm. really um, and I just hate the way that sounds. We need your data, all of our data, and it's mining your, oh my gosh. It's just very dehumanizing. Yeah. And the more that you kind of talk about it and the more I hear it really read out loud, I'm like, where's the humanity? Like, we have bots analyzing our text messages. We have, you know, the these data sets, these technology companies coming in and processing and, and using the data to pr- to create new systems and one of the most important things that I learned about in grad school is how important the therapeutic relationship is and how important the person is that above all else, that person's experience has to come first before treatment modality, before everything. It's the humanity in that session that really should take a, a front seat. And all of this is really de-emphasizing it it's saying the person really doesn't matter we need your anonymous data so that we can you know make more technology for what for what to create more of this removed interaction I just I I have so many problems with this yeah yeah so (laughs) you know as I mean I think that's a perfect segue into like our you know thoughts and opinions about this um we've given I think some of the most important um, aspects and uh, factual information mm-hmm. about how these companies are set up and, and how they function. And, you know, if you go to your website, they'll say things like it's so convenient and 
um, it's affordable and it's like, okay, for the consumer, you know, that might feel true or be true for some people. But I think we're looking at this on a whole and thinking about where is mental health care going and are Mm -hmm. these companies actually helping? And my opinion is very much no, they are not actually helping because they are here to make money. Mm -hmm. And I will also say this about, you know, any kind of clinic or mental health company that just like functions IRL Mm -hmm. (laughs) in real life. I mean, the first place I worked was um, a mental health, uh, community mental health agency. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was technically like not for profit. Um, There was like funding from the Department of Health and things like that. Most of the clients we saw had, you know, Medicare or Medicaid. But everything that was emphasized was like, how can we get more money? You know, how can we um, be more productive and, and get people in the door? And so client care fell by the wayside, right? So this isn't just about these online companies kind of only valuing, you know, money and how much can we produce? How much can we bring in? Um, this shows up a lot of other places in mental health care in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't believe that these companies are actually easing the crisis. Right. Mm-hmm. I just more so like exploiting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, it's convenient and you can do it online and it's so cheap and all these different things. And it's like I can understand and appreciate that people need affordable, accessible mm-hmm. care. But like this is just like imagine a boat. And water is rushing in and the boat is sinking and better help and talk space are like a piece of duct tape Mm -hmm. and you just put it over the crack in the boat. Like it's not really addressing the deeper issue. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's a lot that we talked about, like just just from their website that illustrates that like they tell you that mm -hmm. if you read it's there. They tell you that. Exactly. Like the idea of like the therapist can't diagnose you. So like what what is it that that is happening? It's the therapist is simply providing most likely like generic support, generic advice, these things that if I can't sit and and provide assessments and issue a diagnosis, whether or not it has to be, you know, um, on your record or like it has to be told to someone if I can't as a therapist critically analyze and look into a diagnosis for you and at least have that mindset, I can't tailor treatment to you. Like it's a big part of, and I don't think diagnosis ever has to take center stage on anything, but it is a big part of the work that we do. So if you're presenting with something, you know, you're kind of coming with something going on and I'm not able to ask certain questions to ascertain the specifics about that. And really understand it enough to like be able to say like, oh, you know what? This may present as anxiety, but I think it's actually ADHD, you know? And so if there's overlap here and maybe we can explore the ADHD part. If I can't do that, a big chunk of my abilities as a therapist are limited. Mm-hmm. And what I find interesting too is that um, based on Talkspace website and the information they provide, um, you can diagnose if you're a therapist with Talkspace. They mm-hmm. refer to diagnosis and treatment plans. So um, I'm not 100% sure why for BetterHelp that's like not, I wonder if it's a liability thing. Maybe BetterHelp is trying to kind of, again, speculation, but maybe they're kind of trying to avoid any issues that like could arise there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Talkspace definitely mentions diagnosis and treatment plans. So Very interesting. Yeah. Um, and if we find any more information about that, we can uh, link it also. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think what you're getting at is really the the whole point that we have which is is this stuff really therapy is this really helping people and I I don't know I almost get lost in my own head about it because like I have such strong opinions about you know therapy and and like you were talking about like it should be about the individual Mm -hmm. and really caring for that person and really seeing them and really being with them. And it's just a reality that a lot can get lost Mm -hmm. via text, right? 
Um, I have a phone for work. Clients are able to text me, mm-hmm. um, but I'm clear about the limitations of it, right? right. Like if you text me at 2 a.m., like I'm not seeing it. I'm not checking mm-hmm. my phone. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you text me while I'm on vacation, I've told you many times, like I'm not answering my phone during my vacation, right? right. Like I'm very clear about these boundaries. And I know this is something you wanted to talk about as well. Yes. And it really bothers me what Talkspace's website said about you can re- respond and you know send messages in the chat whenever you want if you're the client and the therapist responds every single day five days a week Mm -hmm. and then I think well what message is the client getting about what therapy is and how that works and like what are the limitations here and like is that really good for somebody Mm -hmm. to you know because and I don't blame any client for this but there are some people who definitely struggle with boundaries and understanding what's possible and what's reasonable within therapy and within the therapeutic relationship and so there are people who are maybe struggling in different ways whether it's because of a diagnosis or not and they are maybe sending Mm -hmm. you know tens of messages a day or I think it comes into expectations like what does this kind of teach people about what they can expect from a therapist and then I think it also does not honor the therapist and the therapist's need for rest and for the therapist to prioritize themselves yes yes oh my gosh I just like I'm like bubbling up with I see it I see (laughs) it in your like body and in your face as you're talking I'm like (laughs) yes this makes so much sense and a big part of for me as a therapist is to create a space in which my clients understand and are empowered to doing this on their own yes I do not want clients who are dependent on therapy for their survival like oh this comes into something else I want to say but keep going I oh I'm getting so heated (laughs) because that just makes me think of the client who's struggling with their self-worth and self-esteem and this expert comes in like not like quotations around expert but this therapist comes in with a you know I'm a a master's degree and I have a license and I'm I'm sitting in this place of power in this relationship and I'm thinking I'm not good enough I don't have the answers my therapist has the answers and I'm paying $90 a month to text them every single day and get help how am I going to start to build these skills like I can do it myself I have the answers inside I know that I can do it. And the thing is, and then, oh my gosh, so many tangents. But (laughs) the other thing with this is that BetterHelp and Talkspace are not trying to work themselves out of a job. No. They're not trying to like be obsolete. Like therapists, as as an individual therapist, I say all the time, like I am trying to work myself out of a job. I am trying to create a, a culture and a world in which I do not, I am not in a crisis position in this world. Right. And I want my clients to eventually say you're fired <laughs> in the best way possible. Bye, you helped me. Thanks. Yes. Like I'm doing great. I got this on my own. Maybe I'll check in once a year, but like I can do it. Better space, a better help and talk space. Do not want that. They want you to stay on their platform. Think about all other social platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. They are designed with the algorithm to get you to come back to the app. They are get they are designed to keep you connected to the app, connected to your phone. I highly doubt that these apps are any different, that these these spaces are any different. They don't want you to be like, you know what, I don't need this app anymore. I don't need Talkspace anymore. They want that dedicated yeah. weekly fee being billed to them. And the thing is, like I know as a as a therapist that there are enough people who need support that I don't need to keep a client sick, keep a client struggling to fulfill my finances, to fulfill my career, to fulfill my income. Yes, I make money off of therapy. We live in a capitalistic society and unfortunately that's the way it is and that's what I have to do, but I don't do it in a way that's like, oh, my client's getting better. Uh, Oh gosh, how do I keep them here? And, And I just don't get that vibe from BetterHelp and Talkspace. Yeah, I don't think that there's any way these companies are truly prioritizing client care you know they have all this marketing Mm -hmm. saying that they care and saying that this is a great service for you um but they can say whatever they want exactly right and again if you critically read what they have on their websites and if you take a second to think about it you'll be like 
uh, what? And this is the other thing, right? Because as therapists, we are told that informed consent is not only written consent, it's verbal consent. It's I sit down every single like first session with a client. I sit them down and I say, I know you signed this paperwork and I know it's a lot to read, but I'm going to review it with you verbally because it's important that you know everything about this relationship we're entering in. You know the limitations that I have. You know where confidentiality ends. I'm not trying to hide anything. I, it takes a lot to get to the privacy policy on BetterHelp. And then not only that, but at the end, it says, if you have any questions, you have to contact customer support. I mean, it just means that there's a lot of transparency that's not happening, mm-hmm. right? Saying like, oh, we may release to third parties such as. Uh, why don't we have a comprehensive list of the companies that we are releasing information to? So that I, as a consumer, can look and say, let me research those companies and see if I'm comfortable with my information being sent to them. Mm-hmm. Why are we so ambiguous and vague? All of my clients know the the platforms that I use to give them their services. They all are aware of the pl- of the um, resources that I have. I don't try to hide that. I don't say like, oh, you know, my EHR, my um, note platform, the, the place that I schedule clients is private. I can't share that information. No, all my clients know that because it's important for you to know where your information is being hosted. And if you have concerns about that, we talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just so fired up, Elena. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> I mean, yes, same. Like, I hate it too, which is why we were like, we have to talk about this. Yes. Um, and I want to, I just remembered the thing that I was going to talk about, which ties into, you know, being able to talk to your therapist daily. You know, we were kind of exploring mm-hmm. some of the, like, boundary concerns around that. But another thing I think about is deep side (laughs) is (laughs) level of care and how Mm -hmm. if you are seeking mental health treatment I would hope that you're able to access the level of care that you need so what I mean Mm -hmm. by that we are outpatient therapists Rebecca and I both work in private practice we offer Mm -hmm. sessions in our office and telehealth sessions video sessions so Typically, I see people once a week or every other week. Um, If someone's struggling, I might see them twice in one week. But Mm -hmm. it is not by any means like super comprehensive care. It is outpatient. People are coming to me. They are functioning and doing relatively, you know, I mean, they have their struggles and and difficulties. But, you know, they're able to see me once a week. And that's sufficient. Mm -hmm. Right. Higher levels of care of care would include um, going to the emergency room mm-hmm. for a crisis and being in acute care, maybe for you know a few days or a few weeks. Um, there's partial hospitalization. Mm-hmm. There's residential programs. Right. Um, there are you know 28 day rehab programs mm-hmm. and things like that. So there are all different kinds of levels depending mm-hmm. on the severity of what someone is going through and just what their level of need is. Right. And there are definitely issues with like the the access to those mm-hmm. levels of care. There are lots of barriers like finances and things like that. But as much as possible as a therapist, if I'm recognizing, I really think this client needs a higher level of care. Like we really need to pull in some other services. Um, maybe they need to see a dietitian, right? If I'm working right. with a client who's struggling with an eating disorder, okay, let's let's get them in with a dietitian, right? Like okay, they are really in crisis. Like we might have to get them to the hospital tonight. Like, let me coordinate with them and, um, you know, make sure we can get them what they need. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if somebody has such a high level of need that they really need to be and are wanting to talk with a therapist that much, Mm -hmm. is this online service really adequate? Is it really an appropriate level of care for this person? And I've also, um, you know, read some opinion pieces about, you know, the issue of if somebody is suicidal or somebody is in crisis, right? Um, You know, obviously, if you're seeing a client via telehealth, um, you know, and if they're in crisis, like, that can kind of be a barrier sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think as a therapist, it's important for me to assess, like, is this appropriate for that client because they're not in the office with me, mm-hmm. right? And what I'm able to do and how I'm able to help them might be kind of limited. Right. Like that person could just log off and, you know, anything could happen. And 
Um, thankfully (laughs) that's not been my experience, but you know, if a client is texting you at 2 AM and the Talkspace or better help chat room saying, I'm going to kill myself. Things are really bad or whatever they're saying. You don't see it till the morning. I mean, I just think it's a recipe for distress on the part of the therapist and the client. Um, and I don't think it's appropriate for people who are in crisis Mm -hmm. and, you know, apparently like, I mean, you know, better help and talk space have like whatever screening processes that they do and their intake process. Um, but that doesn't mean that something won't fall through the cracks or that a client might not be as open or that it might not develop as until later. Right. Mm -hmm. And I have clients who come to me with no concerns for their immediate danger or immediate health or anything like that. And then something changes and all of a sudden they're in crisis and they need additional support and they need to kind of increase their level of care. And that's normal. But are there really good supports for that through these platforms? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've never been a client of them. I don't think so. But I could see it being really challenging, especially via text, to be able to ascertain that. And that's probably why the creators are like, we need an algorithm to uh. ascertain this. Like, Or we could do like virtual sessions where I could see you or a phone call and not solely focus on texting. Because also like this thought is coming to me of like, how do I know it's the client texting and that they're not giving their friend <gasps> their <Gasp>. membership? <laughs> like, share your password with me, bestie, like a Netflix share thing. Ooh. How do I know that my friend or my yeah. partner isn't like, you know what? I'm struggling with this decision today. Let me text your therapist so I can get their information. Mm. How do you prevent Maybe. that? Maybe. You know, and this also ties into something I think about a lot, which is sort of this idea of like, I model things for the clients that I work with. And I don't say that in any kind of condescending or patronizing way, but Mm -hmm. that is my job. That is my job to hold the space, to hold the boundaries, to be mindful of my role, to be mindful of what I'm communicating. Mm -hmm. Like that is my responsibility. And so, you know, it's okay if someone doesn't know something, like if somebody does cancel an appointment last minute or if something happens, right? Like I'm not going to come down on them like I'm a teacher and they're a kid in trouble. No. But it's just about being able to communicate with that person. Like mm-hmm. it's a therapeutic relationship. Right. And, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to be an effective communicator and to kind of help people mm-hmm. understand like, okay, this is therapy and this is how it, you know, works with me. And we collaborate on stuff too, right? Like we figure out things that kind of work for them yeah. also and, and how their therapy is going. Um, but yeah, it's just like how much opportunity is there for that when this platform is saying like, yeah, you can text your therapist 24 seven and they'll respond mm-hmm. once a day. Like what? I don't blame a client No, at that no. point. Cause it's like, well, how would, I mean, that's why there's ethics. That's why there's these yeah. ethics boards that it's a therapist's responsibility. It's our duty to provide the adequate um, support and structure for the client to exist in because it's not the client's responsibility to know no. what is what is going to maybe damage their relationship with us. Like it's it, the duty is on us. The responsibility is on us. We take on that. And that's okay. Like, that's what we sign up for, yeah, right? Like, I'm fine. not going to expect a client yeah. who's depressed to be like, you know what? Actually, I shouldn't text my therapist every day. It's not like, it's natural. Of course, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. let me text them every day because I really want to get better. Uh-huh. And you may be thinking that as a client, like, oh, you know, I can text them every single day and I'll get that's better great. faster. Yeah. And I don't know if that is really, you know, I don't I don't have a research. I haven't not done a research study on this, so I'm not going to say like, it's not going to work. But I don't know how effective that really would be. Um, And I, I, again, think that giving clients space and autonomy and the ability to live their lives without feeling like the therapist is the one who knows best and needs to be the one to reach out to all the time for for advice and support and and direction. I don't know if that's really... um, if that's appropriate, it just doesn't feel right in my bones. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to say one more thing before I, I think we can kind of jump into the therapist side of things is that in that article you talked about, Elena, the New York Times article, really the article talks about and is focused on the violation of client privacy by one of the employees at the company. So 
uh, one of the benefits of being a better health therapist is you get access to better help, which to me, that's a dual relationship. Your therapist shouldn't be in the same place that you work. Yeah. You know, so that makes me uncomfortable. But the employees who work in the actual like maybe admin also get access to their own support through the app. And that information was um, released in one of the meetings. So the New York Times article talks about one of the employees had consented. They had said, yeah, you can release my information anonymously. And in a meeting, they discussed the client's personal chat history. They were reading the chat word for word. Mm-hmm. And their employee, the, their coworkers were like, oh, I know that's him. Like they put the pieces together. They were like, no, that's you. And then it was really uncomfortable for that employee. And so if the company can't even respect the dignity of their employees using this this app if they're you know exploiting their employees stories for their information what do they think that they're going to do for someone who they don't really know and and they're just a consumer yeah that's important to think about yeah a hundred percent yeah and I know we want to talk too about um some of the impact on therapists and and we have a little bit but you know, the pay. Mm. Look, I <laughs> look, I freaking wish we lived in a world in which we didn't have to deal with money. Okay. Yeah. But I have worked hard. I continue to work hard. You know, I, mm-hmm. again, and I was fortunate to be able to get a bachelor's degree and a master's degree and you know, to pursue licensure and become licensed. But all of these things do cost money mm-hmm. and running a business costs money. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm really good at what I do. And so I, I do feel that fair compensation is important yeah. in this system. I think every person, regardless mm-hmm. of whatever education you have, deserves fair compensation right. so that you can live and be able to mm-hmm. pay rent and, you know, exactly. I, I everybody. I'm not just saying like, oh, because I'm educated, I no. deserve this money. Every single person deserves the right a living to wage. live safely yes. with security. Yes, 100%. So I, I've got to tack that on. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, in our experiences as therapists, like, we also carry a lot of stories and emotional weight. And this job definitely takes effort and Mm -hmm. energy and even though we both really love and care about what we do um, it can be very taxing it it takes an emotional part of us that a lot of jobs don't frankly Um, and so and just for reasons even beyond the things I'm listing um, therapists deserve fair compensation and Mm -hmm. you know especially if you're expected to respond to clients five days a week Mm -hmm. Are you only spending an hour on each client once a week? No. It doesn't seem like that's maybe the case mm-hmm. some of the time or a lot of the time. So yeah. these therapists are getting anywhere between 20 and $30 an hour. Right. That is too low. Absolutely. That is way that way should be like minimum wage low. for everybody. Everybody. Like <laughs> I know. I mean I know. like $20 to $30 an hour should be like the base pay, especially with the inflation right now. I know. And the, like it should just be the base rate that you should make when you're a high school student in college or, or, or early college student or high school student, whatever, working at the grocery store. Like that yes. is just enough to survive barely, mm-hmm. you know. And also depending on where you live. I mean, exactly. maybe it's not even enough like yeah, where you live. Right. right. And not to say that there's like a hierarchy of like therapists aren't necessarily inherently better at their job or like their job isn't more important than other jobs. I, I don't think that's the case, but like. What you're saying is like there are jo- there are people like there's a lot of narrative out there of like you should pay you should charge what you're worth, right? Or you should you should ask for that raise at work or you should negotiate your salary to what you're worth. And then there's like this distinct disconnect that therapists are part of that. That you're allowed to do that as a therapist that I can ask my clients for a raise. Well, because like we care and we're helping, we shouldn't care about money. Exactly. We should be doing it because we are just good people. Which I call bullshit. Yeah. Like (laughs) it can be both. Like I know I'm a good person and I really think about 
clients and client care. Mm-hmm. And I take my role to heart, mm-hmm. truly. And I genuinely care about all of those things. And I also believe that I deserve what I charge. Yeah. Absolutely. Both can be true. And I think that there it's not necessarily the therapist's it's not the onus isn't on the therapist to make that sacrifice. I think mental health care should be free and that therapist should be compensated at generous rates by other systems other than the individual. Oh yeah. I would love to see an overhaul of our mental health system and our health system in this, I know. in this world. Yeah. Um, but that's just, that's not happening. It doesn't, and that system doesn't exist. Right. And so we can advocate for the overhaul and advocate for dismantling the current system but in the one that we are in now, it's almost like charging or, or, sh- or paying a therapist 20 to $30 an hour is not livable. You cannot survive on that income with all of the other things that go into being a therapist. Like, the, you know, ju- with the with the level of licensure that uh, being a therapist is like there are ongoing trainings you have to take every year. Those are expensive. There is fees that you have to pay to become licensed and maintain your licensure. But there's a lot that goes into the cost of being a therapist. Yeah. And so there needs to be like equality on that. Mm -hmm. And it should be celebrated that therapists should be charging and being paid what they're worth. And it's interesting that, you know, the consumer is being told they're they're paying up to $95 a, a week, but the therapist is making 20 to 30 of that. Meanwhile, if you are in need of low cost therapy and you want therapy and you can't afford to pay maybe like higher rates for therapists, there are services like Open Path that charge between $30 and $60 per session where therapists will open some slots uh, at a sliding scale where they can provide that therapy ethically. And they're saying, like, I'm willing to provide this rate for this number of clients versus I'm being forced to accept this rate and I'm having to sacrifice my quality and and life right for this work and then you're having clients you're having therapists rather burn out and you're not getting good care yeah and rant yeah (laughs) I mean I think you know the burnout is definitely a part of it too right like you know finances um contribute Mm -hmm. to burnout for anybody and so you know if a therapist is you know contracting with better help and they are, you know, doing that engagement-based structure of trying mm-hmm. to, you know, do everything they can to um, get paid based on how well they engage. Uh, I mean, then the therapist is in this cycle potentially of like, okay, I have to like come up with the best thing and I have to make more money and like I have to do this. And like that's not fair to the therapist and that's not fair mm-hmm. to the client And as individuals, therapists shouldn't have to face burnout and shouldn't have to face being in crisis over finances or any other aspect of this job. But also, it's not good for client care. Mm -hmm. I am of no use to anybody if I am just falling to pieces all the time. Yeah. But I also deserve to not fall to pieces because I have worth. Right. But it also does go back to the client. And like, Mm -hmm. well, what kind of care are you really able to provide Within that system, within the system of like better help or talk space. Exactly. It just doesn't, it just doesn't add up. And it seems, it seems like the companies themselves are exploiting the consumer with their privacy. They're exploiting the therapist with their compensation. And who's winning? It's the company. The company. It's the CEO. It's the founders who are, are winning and they're out of touch with the harm that they're doing for you know, the greater good. And I think, I, I don't know. I mean, I could talk about this forever and it, it kind of becomes this revolving door at a certain point. Cause it's like, it's just, there's a lot of things about this that are inherently harmful. And like you had said at the start of the episode, you know, we're supposed to be working on a mental health culture and a system that essentially is trying to work itself out of a job. It's supposed to be creating systems of support so that clients don't need to like be so crucially accessing mental health care. These new companies that show up should be making it it better for people. And these two are not. They're just not in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 
full agree. Man, oh man, I have so many. My body is just like so tense right now. We're gonna do about a it. breathing exercise. We need what, to do what some. <laughs> we need to because it, it's just so frustrating. And as a, as a therapist, as someone who like is committing my life and my livelihood to helping people and to empowering people and to getting support for people and accessing resources. I just feel like there's so many other things we could be investing our resources in to make things better for people than than these kinds of companies. Not okay. Like no. it's really not okay. Like No. Ugh. Man. Anyways, we're also right. we're also <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, we're also haters of better help and talk space. Yep. Um Again, you're welcome to have, you know, your own experience and your own opinion, but just know that we're haters. Yeah. And like, again, (laughs) we're not focusing on the individual situation. Like if you've had a revolutionary time using these apps, I'm sure it happens. And I'm sure there are people who really benefit from this, but we're looking at the bigger picture here. We're looking at the culture of mental health. We're looking at, again, this season is about social media and social apps and mental health online and this is a big big portion of it and I think it's really important that we as therapists advocate for the needs of clients above all else and I just see and acknowledge that there's so much more concern than there is benefit and so you can have an individual amazing experience and I think that's great and like I don't want to invalidate that that's amazing I'm so happy that you have found that support but culturally, like these, they just have to go. Like we're, I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> they're no, done. Canceled. Canceled. <laughs> um, yeah, we're gonna. We'll have our episode about cancel culture also. Yes. Um, but I will gladly and willingly cancel. Uh, yes. Better hope and talk space. Yes. And if you have a different opinion, if you are a clinician who has used these platforms and you'd like to share your experiences, feel free to reach out. Um, maybe you're we- wrong. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> you're like trying to be all like nice and like compassionate which like I mean but I have this impulse to be like I mean you can have your opinion but it's wrong absolutely I mean everyone is entitled to their own opinion and like maybe we'll have an uh, a better understanding like I can't pretend that I've worked for them before or that I would know but um I'd like to hear like I would like to hear what the alternate to these concerns would be you know, how can you like make peace with some of the things we've talked about? They're really big. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, that's it. That's it. We're done. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>